the epistle of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Now I would remind you, brethren, in what terms I preached to you the gospel which you received, in which you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold it fast, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you, as the first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to save us, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and to all the apostles. Last of all, as the one untimely born, he also appeared to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God which is with me. From the Holy Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 7. At that time, Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee through the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they besought him to lay his hands upon him. And taking him aside from the multitude privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And he charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the dumb speak. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. We celebrate this 11th Sunday after Pentecost. The tabernacle, candle, and adoration chapel burns this week in loving memory of Hugh Hudson. The second collection today is for our parish building fund. The Knights of Columbus are selling football board squares after the masses this weekend. Proceeds will benefit the parish security fund. I know they only had a few squares left yesterday, so uh, I'm not sure they still have it going back there, but if they do, uh, I certainly invite you to check in the vestibule. The monthly pro-life mass is this Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. The rosary will follow immediately afterwards. This Wednesday is the Feast of St. Philomena, uh, and we will have a Latin mass here in the church offered at 5.30 p.m. Uh, confessions beforehand as normal. I want to especially thank everyone who came out for the parish workday last weekend. Uh, we had a, a great time, even though it was a, a very warm time, uh, one, of the, one of the hotter days that we've had this year, to be able to go and to work outside as well as inside. Uh, but indeed, it was a great turnout as well as a, a great time of, of community. And it was uh, with great joy in my heart to be able to see it uh, and to, uh, to share in with it. Uh, so there will be future work days uh, in, the, uh, in the days to come. And it was a general agreement that we ought to have them in the spring and in the fall, not in the summer. Uh, so if the heat kept you away, be not afraid. Last Sunday, our gospel spoke of the... The Pharisee and the publican, that man 
the one who went and prayed to himself, thinking himself, essentially, that he's not like that other guy over there. And then the other guy over there, striking his breast, praying to the Lord, simply seeking his mercy. It was an exercise and a demonstration of the value and importance of humility in the spiritual life. That one is not simply to rely upon one's own self, one's own strength, one's own abilities, or one's own mind, but rather to trust in the Lord, to be able to go to Him, recognizing that all things that are good ultimately are His, His gifts that come to us. And the things that are less good, uh, either in imperfections or in sins themselves, those are ours. Those are the things that we can claim. And so in humility, we must recognize these things and some other church said that before us last week. And today we have a, an echo of that. Interestingly so, the, uh, it seems that historically the gospel for last weekend was uh, the gospel for today. Uh, so it lined up a bit more, uh, in particular with St. Paul's, uh, Paul's writing, as he's reflecting upon this fact that he is not worthy to be called an apostle, and yet he is what he is. It doesn't change the fact. And all of this is God's grace. But nonetheless, we still have an opportunity for us to reflect deeply upon this mystery of God coming to us and us humbling ourselves before him. In the collect today, we offered a prayer to our blessed Lord that repeats at various times of the year. It's not simply unique just to today. But it's a prayer that asks for these specific things. It reminds us of the generosity of God. It asks us, it asks of the Lord, uh, rather to give us more than we deserve and more than we desire. And continuing on, it asks that we be pardoned for the sins that which we are afraid even to, uh, to recognize and to come before our Lord with, that he would pardon our sins, but also that he would give us the things for which we're not bold enough to ask. It's a recognition that, that sometimes our humility uh, is a false humility that rather than keeping us close to our Lord, pulls us away from him. True humility is simply to acknowledge the situation as it is, not to make oneself less than one actually is, or more so. It is an invitation that sometimes we recognize in our spiritual life that we are not willing to let God do what God desires to do, either because we think we are too bad to receive it, or we can't think that he is that good to give generously. Either way, it's a poor reflection upon our own state. And some other church comes to teach us these things, to place upon our lips, upon the priests, uh, and to place upon your own hearts, as we offered on behalf of this community, that willingness to receive of God's generosity, the things which we can't even ask for. And we know that our Lord is generous, and he gives generously. Very often, he gives more than we are willing to accept in that moment. We see certainly the St. Paul wrestling with this fact. He's wrestling with the, the fact of his, the knowledge of his past, of the things that he has done. He's not worthy to be called an apostle. He's the least of them, the last of them. And yet, he is one. It's a simple fact that all of us should marvel in a sense at the fact of our baptism that God has chosen us for himself, that sinners that we might be, and even though whether we might have been baptized as children or later in our life, 
it doesn't take away the fact that despite our sin, the Lord still calls us to himself. If after baptism we had sinned and the Lord simply struck us off and sent us away, it would be deserved. But this he has not done. He has shown us his mercy and said, come closer, come closer. It's to marvel at these things, to marvel at the generosity of our Lord, who in the midst of all of these things loves us, imperfections and sins and all. And it's these things that he desires to heal if we're willing to accept his closeness. This is part of what we hear in the gospel today. The man who is brought by those others who are around him. Fascinating how many times in the gospels it's other people that bring them to our Lord. Echoing that collect prayer itself. The things that sometimes we're not bold enough to ask. Sometimes we're not willing to go before him ourselves and somebody else has to kind of bring us along. And yet, for this man, his friends bring him along. And they ask him for healing. And our Lord comes to the man. He takes him aside from everybody else. He does a strange thing of putting his finger into his ear, spitting and touching his tongue. He's breaking all kind of safety and health protocols here today. And he has a loud groan as he cries to the Father, Ephatha, be opened. And the man speaks, and he hears. He does these things with intention. Again, our Lord doesn't make mistakes or do things by happenstance. Our Lord, interestingly, takes him aside because he knows that if it was simply from time to time, that we know that our Lord, he, he does heal within the larger setting. But very often, it's the recognition that he takes a personal interest in us. That if he had simply, they simply thrust the man into the front and our Lord just did as some of our, uh, some of our contemporary, uh, you know, uh, contemporary ministers just waved a jacket at him, uh, waved a corner of his cloak at him, and he was, he was healed. Everyone would be, you know, would be awe and wonder. But our Lord wouldn't have had any personal encounter with the man. And this is what our Lord desires. This is why he came among us, is that he knows us and he loves us because he created us. He created our soul. He created our flesh. He created our mind. He created our personality. Even with all of our weaknesses and imperfections, all of these things our Lord has created and uses for some good purpose. And he wants to draw close to us. And when we have these, these, these points in the sacred scriptures where our Lord encounters a particular person, an individual person, oftentimes it is a reminder to us of his personal interest in us. But interestingly also, as we'll see in a moment, that that individual represents all of us. But nonetheless, he takes the man aside, first taking a personal interest in him. He draws close to him. Again, our Lord could have simply stayed at a distance and done as he wished. I mean, he did simply utter a word, and the entire universe was created. Certainly, he could have just breathed in his general direction, and things would have been fine. But he comes and he lays hands upon him, touching his ears, touching his tongue. Our Lord wants to draw near to us, to come close to us, to be able to heal us, both for our own good, but also for his glory, and ultimately to lead us to that perfect life that awaits.
as we said also, while this man is a reminder to us of God's personal interest in each of us individually, as he knows us by name, it is also the sign that the man represents each and all of us in a particular person. That the man is unable to hear and unable to speak reminds us of the fact that by ourselves, in our original sin, without God, without his grace, we are not able to hear the Lord properly, nor are we able to ask for his help that can bring healing to our souls. It is only by a miracle that these things take place, by a miracle of the Lord piercing our deafness and allowing us to speak, the miracle most frequently taking place by virtue of our baptism, that then we were able to hear God, and only then able to speak clearly and ask him for his help. Our Lord does indeed take a personal interest in us as with that man. He, who all in glory at the right hand of the Father, was looking down upon the creation that was his. And out of a desire to heal our hearts and to save us, out of a love for us individually and collectively, he took on our flesh. He drew near to us as to that man that day. He came and took on our intimate flesh, knowing all things except sin. He gives us himself ultimately. He lays down his life so that we can be freed. The ephatha, in a sense, being the, the, that great cry also that our Lord will offer on the cross. It is finished as he gazed up then also to the heavens. And our Lord simply did not do this once and leave it as it was. But again, knowing our need for that physical touch from God, he gave us the tremendous gift of his grace in the sacraments. All of the sacraments have a profound emphasis upon physical touch. Over and again in the rite of baptism and in confirmation, and the Holy Eucharist, of course, a very physical presence of our blessed Lord. In each of the sacraments, in all of these things, there is a physical touch, often a laying on of hands, an anointing with oil, a washing with water, a signing with the cross. Over and again, these physical things, just as our Lord took this man aside and laid his hands upon him, doing these physical things to allow his flesh even to be informed by the grace of God, so also he does with us. After all, it is not just our soul that is resurrected, it is also our body. And just as our soul needs his grace, so also our body needs the physical touch of his hand as well. And he gives it generously, as always, in the sacraments. And so as we come and offer this Holy Mass, it's a time for us also to humble ourselves as well to be as the publican last weekend, to be as St. Paul reminding us today. And indeed, we are not worthy of all of these things, that we, uh, we are broken, we are sinners. And yet, it doesn't change the fact that we are who we are. We are Christians. We are once claimed by Christ and have his seal set upon our hearts by virtue of those same sacraments. It is for us today to turn to him and to rejoice that he who loved us so much continues to pour that grace into our hearts. We pray that the Lord may continue to draw us to himself and especially to nourish us as we are blessed today to be able to speak to him, to ask for the daily bread that is ours, and to know that he generously gives.